EMS One Academy, a training solution designed for EMS chiefs, offers more than 200 courses and 250 hours of continuing education. Our modern learning solution includes flexible reporting capabilities and features to upload agency-specific courses and track credentials for recertification. Easily streamline daily administrative workflow with EMS One Academy. Start your free trial. Visit www.emsoneacademy.com slash insideems. Well, hello, everyone. It's time to go Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Savalero, and here he is with me always, my good friend and shadow. I'm going to call him my shadow, Kelly Grayson. KG, how are you? I'm fine, man. Uh, you cast a pretty big shadow looking at myself in the mirror. Oh, that's a, <laughs> a, a good one. So what's going on, man? How are things down there in uh, world-famous oh, Picking, Louisiana? It's it's wonderful. Uh, just taking a brief break from from the, the uh, Medic Solutions World Tour. Uh, I just got back from uh, from uh, Pocono Mountain, Pennsylvania, and Springfield, Massachusetts, doing the uh, the Code EMS conference and the Massachusetts EMS conference. And those guys, as usual, put on uh, stellar conferences. Uh, I wish I'd have had a chance to stay stay and hang out, but um, I did my thing and, and then moved on. So yeah, I'm ready for round two in a couple of weeks. What's round two? So I'm, uh, I said, uh, let's see. I go to Vermont and then Saint Elizabeth's. Uh, conference in uh in kentucky and then i'm home for a couple of days and i go to the texas cms conference yeah so. so i will be uh with you there at saint elizabeth in um cincinnati ohio and yeah. it looks like we're going to try to do a a show there live yeah. we're trying to figure Let's out the logistics we're trying to figure out the logistics of that right now and then uh, i'll be down at texas cms but i won't be uh presenting i'll just be down there making fun of you the, isn't that what you always do? Yeah, that's probably a good point. So I was uh, actually did the keynote address at, uh, you know, there's uh, EMS lawyers, Paige Wolfberg and Worth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they are really in the, uh, uh, you know, business of making sure that our organization stays safe. I had the opportunity to uh, do the keynote address at their conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I'd never been to Hershey, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. so it was really kind of interesting. I had the opportunity to go down to Gettysburg as well. I don't know if you've ever been to Gettysburg, but uh, oh yeah, it's a very, yeah. very solemn place. And, very powerful. Uh, yeah, when you talk about the, uh, you know, you hear about it, but until you see it, Kelly, I mean, you really have no idea the magnitude of the... Uh, you know the the deaths and the and the challenges that took place oh, there yeah. over those four days, but uh, when you talk about uh, almost uh, what was it sixty thousand lives that were taken mm-hmm. in those, uh, uh, but you can almost you could feel it. I mean, it's just a very very solemn place to be. Oh yeah the 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 field there where where they did Pickett's Charge right you right. Know, just imagine running across over a mile of, of flat open ground under artillery and musket fire the entire it's just a killing field and they had the and they had the high ground too as these guys were marching across an open field uh of a mile i mean it was it was almost uh, like target practice i would think oh yeah as as a shooter i was impressed with uh devil's den uh and and uh little round top and big round top they said that you know it's a nest of rocks if you've ever been to gettysburg it's a it's a little boulder field that they call devil's den and confederate sharpshooters were were picking off union officers on the top of uh of little round top 350 plus yards away and they were doing this with you know civil war era muskets right, right. so uh, it's pretty impressive shooting 
Yeah. Well, another big thing that happened this week, Kelly, was Expo. Uh, EMS Expo. Yeah, we were out there in Vegas this year. And I got to tell you, it was another great uh, showing by EMS World yeah. and they uh, and NAMT. They both sponsored that together, and it was a great show. Uh, I think there was about 6,000 participants this year. I was talking with Scott Cravens, who is the publisher of EMS World, and he says it was about a 7% increase from last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the caliber of classes that were there. Uh, I got to tell you, man, that exhibit hall was massive. There was tons oh, yeah. of things to look at. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the things that were there were very, very uh, interesting to see. Of course, the ambulances were all over the place. They had tactical vehicles everywhere. But, you know, I, I, I'm really and I want to get your impression about this. So I think the caliber of the conference that was put on was was truly amazing. And to see some really new faces there. Uh, you know, they had some uh, new tracks. There was, of course, leadership mm-hmm. tracks. There was mobile integrated tracks. You know, and then they had conferences within the conferences, Kelly. You know, they had the International Roundtable of Community mm-hmm. Paramedicine. They had a data uh, summit as well for the, you know, the things that we need to think about in the future when it comes to cybersecurity. And I was part of a roundtable discussion that was sponsored by uh, our hosts here, EMS One and Boundary. And I'll tell you, I mean, that was a really great discussion about opioid safety for first responders. I got to tell you, Kelly, we had a, a DEA agent, a DEA chemist. Of course, we had some EMS experts. Paul Maniscalco was there, who was a great uh, EMS voice. We had Dan Swayze there. We had Jeremy Cushman, who's a doctor from Rochester. And the information that was coming up, and when we were talking about you know the opioid epidemic, but even from the chemist side, I mean, some of the things that they were talking about is that you know fentanyl is becoming the next epidemic and he even made the comment to say that you know fentanyl is so prevalent that i can get on the internet right now and buy 50 grams of fentanyl from china and have it delivered to my house and the dea has no way of tracking that yeah uh, that's ridiculous uh, the the gray market drugs uh, they're out there you get them on the uh, on the dark web uh, and i know people uh, are getting plenty of, of legitimate non-controlled pharmaceuticals uh, for far cheaper uh, that way as well. But it's a it's a it's a hole in our regulatory process that needs to be plugged. Um, I'm just afraid of the backlash, man, because it's it's already here. You've got some some people right. at EMS systems doing some idiotic things, response to perceived uh, dangers of overdose and addiction, and it's painfully obvious they don't understand the nature of addiction in the first place. Right. But uh, it's it, it's getting bad enough that that in a profession where we we don't uh, we chronically unmanaged pain, um, and and we have overcoming people's attitudes about uh, pain management uh, and now we add the threat of addiction and the opioid crisis to this and and there's a bunch of bs out there that uh, i hope the the backlash doesn't make it even harder for us to advocate for our patients yeah i'm going to scare you a little bit more man because um you know as we were going along on this round table and, and i gotta tell you everybody out there you know, EMS One sponsored this with Boundtree. It's going to be part of Boundtree University. Mm-hmm. Uh, EMS One is going to have you're going to have the ability to see it, uh, uh, you know, because we recorded it, video recorded it as well. But to give you a little bit more scare, Kelly, this DEA chemist, his name is Dan. He was talking about that there's this new drug out there, and, and it doesn't even have a name yet. It's called U four seven seven zero, 
that he hasn't even seen yet. And because fentanyl is becoming harder to get their hands on, the people who are constructing this new drug are now using whatever it is that they can in it to make sure that it's cut or it has some validity to look like or, or feel like fentanyl. So you could be got, buying this drug thinking you're getting fentanyl, and there could be cocaine in it. There could be heroin in it. There could be – I mean, so there's no – you know, there's not even any uh, um, script as to what this is going to hold. But when yeah. we talk about this epidemic and now even China, because the DEA went to China to say, you guys got to stop doing this. Well, so – So the folks in China made it a felony to create fentanyl if you're not in a lab. So they've started to change the derivatives of the molecules. So it's not exactly fentanyl, but it's whatever else. Yeah, it's it's designer opiates. Right, right, right. Chemists stay one step ahead of the the regulators. Um, uh, Hard to know where all this will end, but, um, um, you know... our part in it, uh, I hope, is, is remains that we can still advocate for our patients and, and give pain medication where appropriate. But, man, I hear some something else really cool. Uh, the little birdies told me from uh, EMS Expo that uh, we got some, some pretty encouraging news on the mobile integrated health front that you were a part of. Uh, won't, you, uh, won't you share with our listeners uh, the news behind that, man, because it could – Sounds like it could shift the way we're we're doing community paramedicine and mobile integrated health and make it sustainable. Yeah, and I and I appreciate that, Kelly. And I, and I've been working with Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield here in St. Louis for about three years now, and they they came to me and they wanted me to help them develop uh, community paramedic programs in the. Um, you know, in in the areas that were really bad for them. And there were a couple EMS systems that I helped develop programs. And, you know, part of my business now as a consultant is I get to go around the United States and help people set up these programs. So as I jumped into working with Anthem, you know, I kept telling them, you know, we need to you know, we need to get some global payment here for community paramedicine. Well, they weren't exactly there yet, but starting January 1st, and this is where we kind of need everybody's help there out in in the world. So starting January 1st in the 14 Anthem states, Anthem will now start reimbursing for treat no transport of patients in, you know, of Anthem patients. So let's say this. I mean, right now, Kelly, you and I know that we cannot treat somebody at home and get reimbursement. We'll we'll bill the patient, but we're not going to get, you know, any reimbursement. CMS looks at us as a transport service. Exactly. But now we're we're, we're stepping out of the realm of CMS and we're using Anthem. So if you're in an Anthem state and you treat no transport, you can use the A0998 code and Anthem will now reimburse you 70% of your contracted rate meaning if you now bill anthem a thousand dollars for a medical transport uh, to the hospital but you wind up treating it at home they'll pay you seven hundred dollars for treating them at home so when we start to substantial no it really is and there are some anthem states that don't have contracted rates well then they're just going to average your bill so whatever your average bill is they'll give you 70 percent of that number now this is this is a staggering amount of money when we start Mm -hmm. to talk about treat no transport when we do uh albuterol treatments at home kelly when we do you know uh uh, d50 at home we we don't get reimbursed for that diabetics yeah so Anthem is now going to start to look to the, look at this. Now I will tell you, I will give you some info, inside information. Anthem is now trying to work on alternate transportation dollars as well, to where you can now transport to an urgent care center, 
and get reimbursement for that. Well, wait a minute, Chris. How can we transport to an urgent care center? That's the question you were going to ask me. How can we transport yeah. to an urgent care center when, when, when CMS says we can't do it? Well, it's not CMS. This is a private yeah. provider. Now, there are some states that may have said you have to transport to a hospital. But one of the things that you have to remember, a lot of that lobby was that came from the ambulance um, mm-hmm. came from the ambulance lobby that said you can only transport to a hospital because they didn't want to get kicked out of that business. So yeah. if there's an opportunity to transport to an urgent care center, Medi- uh, Anthem will now look to pay you under the uh, A0426 code, which is the BLS reimbursement mm-hmm. rate, and instead of giving you mileage, we'll just give you a flat fee. So that's going to be coming soon. And that's I predict, awesome. Kelly, I predict... That in the future, I'm going to say within the next, I don't know, maybe six months to a year, we're going to be able to get to a capitated rate for community paramedicine service. And uh, I, I think that's really close. I'm going to continue to work with these people and make sure that we get there. But I have to tell you that this was really incredible news uh, for our career field. And I'm going to look to have Dr. Jay Moore. He is the medical director of Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield here in Missouri. I'm going to look to have him on the show with us so he can kind of talk about this a little bit more and maybe even talk about the future of insurance provider payments for community paramedicine. So how, what do you want to think about that? I, th- I think that's awesome, man. I'm, I can't, you know, the, the, the two biggest knocks that naysayers have against community paramedicine and mobile integrated health is, uh, well, you know, we're reinventing the wheel, something the home health nurses do, which, which is, was, isn't accurate. Uh, if you understand how some of these programs are set up and, and how people qualify for home health care and that sort of thing. So not really accurate there, but the, the biggest knock, and it was a, it was a valid one. It was, it was not fiscally sustainable. Either you're getting paid a pittance by a hospital, uh, uh, for loss mitigation to keep the, their, super utilizers out of the system and, and prevent those bounce back admission readmissions, uh, which fan- financially penalize the hospital. So, okay. Yeah, no, they, they, they throw a hundred thousand dollars at the EMS agency a year to save four or 5 million. Um, and you're trying to keep your own frequent flyer, super utilizers under, util- uh, under an uninsured patients out of the system, uh, to prevent some of your own losses, but that wasn't going to last forever. And, and you know, uh, the, the thinking was that, that mobile integrated health wasn't going to really take off until we had a reimbursement model that that uh, wasn't just a stopgap measure. Well, this sounds Anthem's Anthem's decision in this regard sounds like uh, you know the the first uh, inklings of a, a groundswell of of uh, support for uh, for funding this and and you know we'd heard rumors that that CMS was looking at various community paramedicine programs as, as test beds you know just kind of informally uh, looking to see if this would actually be a viable uh, treatment um, model, um, and this ought to this ought to take it to the next level, man. Uh, you hopefully we'll see other uh, other insurers, uh, you know, joining and jumping on the bandwagon, and, and eventually, hopefully, we'll see CMS do the same. Um, and and that's our first step on to uh, into a shift of uh, a reimbursement shift from fee for transport to fee for service yeah. uh, and, and that has the potential to radically change 
our profession. You know, if fundamentally they start looking at us as healthcare providers rendering treatment and care rather than uh, a very expensive supine taxi that happens to give a few treatments along the way, um, that's gonna that's gonna fuel a lot of uh, of change and and growth in EMS. And I, I look forward to that. Um, I'm just kind of I wish Acadian had a community paramedicine program in my area that I could uh, I could be one of those guys just drive a, a car or a sprint truck around that'd be cool well I think that that's going to come man and I think that you know yeah, this, this I, is the, the first we do have some tests we do have some some pilot programs in other parts of the state just not in my area so you know I think that one of the things you bring up some good points that I want to touch on before I want to you know kind of talk about this and put a uh, you know a, a bow on this code yeah. that we're going to talk about but, you know, when I go around developing community paramedicine programs, the biggest thing that you hear is there's no reimbursement, there's no funding model. Here's yeah. the problem with that. We need to stop our dependency on CMS. CMS is the, to, is the goose. We need to diversify our funding streams. Absolutely. Exactly. So when we think about there is millions and millions of dollars out there that we can put our hands on to fund our community paramedicine programs. If you're thinking about running a community paramedic program, you get with me and I, I will talk to you about how this funding model works. But the hospital systems, you are absolutely, absolutely right. They are paying. Maybe they're not paying top dollar, but one of the things that you negotiate with them is you're going to give us this amount of money and we want X percentage of the cost savings at the end of the year and they're doing it. Number two is the accountable care organizations who are working similar to that of an insurance company. Yeah. The way that they're set up, Kelly, is that CMS gives them X amount of dollars. Let's say they give them $400 million to say you need to handle this this 45,000 lives that are in this area. If you spend $400 million, you spend $400 million. If you spend $350, I'll split the $25 million, you know, the $50 million savings with you. If you spend $404 million, that's on you. It's in the accountable care organization's best interest to partner with community paramedics, and they can reduce that spend. Again, I think what you do is you ask for a rate, and then at the end you say you want X percentage of that cost savings with them. You know, the same thing with these private payers. You know, Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield is the first insurance company globally to start to pay for this type of service um, and other insurance companies are looking to do pilots. There's pilots out there with Humana, with United Healthcare, with Cigna, and a lot of community paramedic agencies are looking to do this. But, but here's what we have to do. If you are now behind the eight ball and you don't have a community paramedicine program, give me a call and, and let's start talking about those discussions because reimbursement is coming. And I made this analogy uh, when I was in Vegas, Kelly. The dominoes are all set up and the finger is ready to flick that first domino. And we're very, very close to getting that reimbursement for community paramedicine now. Now, I remember back in the old days when you and I first talked about this and you had a little bit of skepticism to say, this is never going to fly. And I'm glad that we had those debates and I'm glad that we had those discussions and it, and it was the perseverance and it was the commitment and it was the dedication by our career field and leaders within our career field that have finally gotten us to a point to say reimbursement truly is just around the corner. And this is where the transformation of EMS comes from and bringing community paramedicine to the forefront of our career field, Kelly. First of all, I'd like to say that I never opined that it would never take off. Oh, you were opining. You were opining. That's right. That's right. I was opining. Uh, 
I said that it wasn't going to grow significantly until we solved the reimbursement issue. But it seems like uh, Anthem's uh, um, choice there and Anthem's decision uh, is is that first proverbial domino you, you spoke of. Um, it's interesting how the sea change we're seeing in, in, in EMS, um, you know, it's been going on for several years now that evidence-based medicine has, has shifted our clinical practice. Um, and, and we're, we're realizing more now more than ever that we don't operate in a vacuum and, and what we do pre-hospitally affects uh, the patient long after we dropped them off in their ambulance and our treatments have changed accordingly. Um, and, and some people are not, down with that they don't they're they're upset about that sort of thing i think that's a a positive for ems but uh the other thing that was changing that hasn't changed but it it looks to now is that 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 whole reimbursement model and the and the system design and everything hasn't changed uh as quickly as it needs to and is lagging behind the rest of healthcare. um and that's all driven by reimbursement brother it's all about the almighty dollar no matter how idealistic you might be about the provision of health care, it all comes down to how we wind up paying for it. And if we have a more efficient means of paying for it uh, and a means of paying for uh, for effective treatment, not just the expedited stuff that we, we render in route to the hospital, I mean, that's really going to change what we are and what we do. Right. Uh, and I look forward to that, man. I want to be that if I'm still working. Uh, I want to be that kind of paramedic that, that's able to do those kind of things and have my have the cuffs taken off. Um, I, that would be uh, the culmination of my career before I descend into uh, decrepitude. Well, you're but, really close to decrepitude, but before you put a wrap on this show, let me go ahead and just remind everybody. So I need your help. If we want to get global reimbursement for community paramedicine, we've got to show Anthem that we're able to use this code. Take it to your billing folks. Have them call me. The code is A0998, and it's ambulance response, treat no transport. If you have Anthem patients, you can now get reimbursement for treatment at home. And next thing is going to be reimbursement to alternate destinations. So, Kelly, we, we need to use this code. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, insurance companies aren't going to step up for the next phase. So you guys as the providers out there, you guys as the leaders out there, make sure you get this to your billing department. If you have any questions, you call me, and we're going to make sure that you have everything you need. But with that, Kelly, I think it's time to move along. Hop along, little That's Cassidy. Right. That's right. You know, the, the biggest wave start as a small ripple and, and here's our chance to, to start that ripple going, um, use that reimbursement code. Um, but Hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Chime in, uh, bring that, uh, bring that information to your, your billing people. And for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. Y'all don't forget to rate us on iTunes and we'll catch you guys next week.